0: Hello and welcome to the Football Digest Daily. I'm your host Conor Bromley and today I am joined by David McDonnell and Sam Incasol to talk about the Champions League last night. In particular, Manchester United's defeat away in Switzerland and Chelsea's ground-out 1-0 victory against Zenit St. Petersburg. So David, we'll start with you. A defeat for Manchester United last night, a defeat probably they weren't expecting uh, you certainly think they would go to a place like young boys and pick up a victory. And it was going very well until a red card. But how do you digest Manchester United's performance last night?
1: Well, self-inflicted, I think, Sam. Uh, sorry, Connor, I think it's self-inflicted is is the way you would describe it. I mean, they're in command. You know, Ronaldo's third goal in, in two games since his return. Um, set them on their way. Um, and from that point on, they're in control. I mean, young boys... Pretty spirited side, energetic, you know, athletic, um, managed by David Wagner, obviously ex-Huddersfield. They'd come through three qualifying rounds to to, to get to the group stage, um, even though they're Swiss champions. So they shouldn't have represented much of a threat to United. But uh, as you mentioned there, uh, the red card, Aaron Wan-Bissaka's, um, which actually stemmed from a, a dreadful first touch, which has been a bit of a theme with him, um, you know, since he joined United. Um, as good a defender and tacklery is his first touch and his... And his Ability to go forward and you know down that right side and, and, and cross the ball and, and and you know turn sort of defense into attack is is has been found wanting anyway. He was, yeah, it was a straight red. I mean, I know Solskjaer complained about it afterwards and said there was no malice in it, but he went over the top. And From then on, it was an uphill struggle for United. Um, Solskjaer's game management, the substitutions were very strange, bringing off uh, Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes, uh, with effectively 20 minutes left, and bringing on Lingard and Matic, um, and then switching from a a back four to a back three, having made that decision to bring off Sancho for Diallo, and then you, you, you bring off uh, Van der Beek at half time for around and go to a back three. There were just lots of muddled thinking from Solskjaer. Um, I mean, it's ironic that in the Europa League final defeat to Villarreal, he was lambasted for, for not making any substitutions and leaving them too late to effectively change the game. And here, with the five subs at his disposal, he almost felt he had to use them all, and 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 it really ended up in a in a in a desperate night for Manchester United, um, you know, Lingard's woefully under-hit back pass, you know, let, let young boys in to score the winner. And, you know, whilst it's not a disaster for United, you know, a group that on paper looks so simple with young boys, you know, Villarreal and Atalanta, no real big guns in there at all, uh, it's suddenly looking that much tougher for United.
0: And Ronaldo managed to buy himself a goal, so that's the positive. And obviously, it was a good ball from Bruno Fernandes as well. Them two linking together, it looks like it's going to be something good for Manchester United. And I think, had the red card not happened, United probably would have had that comfortable evening. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, until that point, until the 35th minute when, you know, Wan-Bissaka's rash chained, uh, they were in control. Um, if he doesn't get sent off, Man United win the game. Uh, I think that's fair to say, because... You know, they were, as I say, in control, you know, man for man. They, they, were, they were superior to young boys. Uh, prior to that, Ronaldo had had a shot, um, say, I think, down the left-hand side. and he was a constant threat. Um, but as soon as that red card happened, it, it absolutely um, altered the game and shifted it in in uh, in the fa- favour of young boys. Um, but again, you know, we, we say this about Solskjaer. He, he is found wanting in these situations, you know, in the semi-finals, the, the four semi-final defeats they've had um, under him. The Europa League final, he he tends to muddle his thinking, I think, and almost overthink things too much, uh, or, or or react too late to situations. And I think that's a theme that has been recurring, and something that that he has to address. Because um, I think it was Paul Scholes saying last night in uh, in the, the BT Sport coverage that you know he's he's got the players he wants now. I mean, he may have wanted a, a, a holding midfielder as well, but he's got he's got Ronaldo, he's got the central defender in Varane, he's got the right sided player in Sancho, so he's, he's been given the players um, to, to do the job and to turn this United squad into a squad that can compete for the the, the big prizes now. So the pressure's on him. and thought it was interesting that when, you know, Oli was addressing the, the, us guys um, after Ronaldo's return, he said, look, there's no hiding place you know, for the players now. A player of his calibre is in the squad. And really, the same can be said of Solskjaer. There's no hiding place for him now, and of course, there never is when you're at Manchester United because the profile of the club and the focus and the spotlight on you is 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 so unforgiving. But I think you know he can't afford too many more nights like last night, um, you yeah, know, because the pressure will start to build on him.
0: Okay, we'll we'll come back to Manchester United in a bit, but we'll we'll move on to Chelsea quickly now. Uh, pretty standard win was it last night for Chelsea? Comfortable in the end.
2: I'd say, yeah, comfortable-ish. Um, Zenit were, were were pretty good to be. You have to, you have to give them credit. They came and they defended really, really well. They were well-organised, well-drilled, all those clichés. But they did they did come to West London and look to, to spring a surprise on Chelsea and they almost did as well. Uh, but yeah, Chelsea ground it out like they did against Villa as well, even though the scoreline was 3-0 at the weekend. Um, Chelsea were not at their best. They certainly weren't at their best again last night. But when you've got... Romelu Lukaku in your side, or if you if you can get the service into him, um then he, he will inevitably do the goods. And and that's exactly what happened last night. Um the Zenit tried to block off the supply line to Lukaku, they did it very well. Um they had two men on him um at all times, the two centre halves um from Zenit were on him constantly. So it was a tough night for Lukaku, but he had one big chance and he took it. Um Cesarus put in a brilliant cross. Was, for, for a striker like Lukaku, that's on a plate for, for someone like him, and but he still had a fair bit to do. Textbook header though, low and hard into the corner where the keeper couldn't get it, uh, and Chelsea won the game to get their defence of the Champions League off to the best possible start. But yeah, I wouldn't say it was completely straightforward. It was a bit lethargic at times. Um, loath to use the word ponderous, but at times it was a little bit because um, they were struggling to break Zenit down. Uh, we've seen under Thomas Tuchel that Chelsea don't blow the blow teams out; they, they're methodical. Um, and they'll eventually, and eventually, we'll just wear them down, and that's what Tuchel addressed after the game. He said, "We just effectively, yeah, just wore them down and wore them out, and uh, got them tired, and then took advantage when they had their one big chance in the in the seventieth minute, which they took." So, yeah, it was. I wouldn't say it was the perfect um, start to the to the title defense for Chelsea, but in a group where Juventus also won last night as well, quite comfortably against Malmo, uh, Chelsea needed to make sure that they were that they got up and running in that first game, and they did just that. It was it was only one nil. But three points in the bag, early doors in, uh, in the group stages is all you can ask for. And uh, yet another clean sheet for Thomas Tuchel, which is now uh, 23 in 36 games, which is quite frankly absurd um, clean sheet record that Chelsea have got under the, under the German head coach at the moment. So, yeah, it was a, it, 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 it started. There was a nice pre-match fireworks display at Stanford Bridge before the game, but those fireworks certainly didn't translate onto the pitch, and I'm aware that's a, a terrible metaphor there, but um, it's it, 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 was, it, it was tough, it was arduous at times, but they got the job done, and uh, that's all they needed to do.
0: And you mentioned the, the clean sheets there, and I want to talk a little bit about Antonio Rudiger, who seems to be morphing into, obviously always a very good centre-back, but he, he seems to have taken it up a level in the last six months. Have you seen from him that improvement under Thomas Tuchel, and is he now in that, not quite in the Virgil van Dijk breath, but is he getting close to that level?
2: Um I, I don't think he's quite at Virgil van Dijk level, but he's certainly progressing incredibly under under Tucid. He's been a real rejuvenation for for Rudiger since he came in. He's out of contracts at the end of the, the end of this season. And he can obviously speak to clubs in Europe from January. So you could you could easily say, Oh, maybe he's p- he's playing for a new contract. So he's he's putting in these stellar performances. But um last night, yeah, he was exceptional. Last night there was one goal-saving tackle on um on Zenit striker um, Ardol Sasmoon, um late on, sorry, midway through the second half when it was at 0-0, and um, effectively kept Chelsea in the game at that point. He also went on a rampaging run, that 60 yards, lung busting, looked like he was going to shoot it into row Z, which he usually does, but he only curled it just wide. Uh, but yeah, he's been, him and Andreas Christensen have been two of the real impressive performers under Tuchel since January, since he came in. They've formed a really good partnership. It's obviously part of a back three with with, uh, Cesar Spilicueta, who's another player who's had a real rejuvenation under under Tuchel. Those senior players have really stepped up um, and were crucial components of Chelsea winning the Champions League last season. Uh, Chelsea have built very much on that strong defence. We know that. Um, Three centre-halves and two rampaging wing-backs. Marcus Alonso doesn't do much defending, so he's obviously up in the other end, uh, the other end of the pitch, pretty much more often than not. Uh, and um, he played right wing back. Rhys James was re, uh, right wing back last night, and he was very much the same. So Chelsea built very much on that strong foundation at the back, and once they scored. You just didn't think that Zenit would actually break through, and it was when it was 0-0, You thought maybe that there was a chance that the Russian side could could potentially pinch a win, but as soon as Chelsea got that lead, you knew they were just going to shut up shop and see the game out. There was always going to be someone there to mop things up, and Rudiger was at was at that level last night. But yeah, he's been he's been brilliant, uh, and Chelsea will do pretty well to 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 tie him down to another contract. I think at the end of the season because he is twenty nine. He probably thinks he's probably got one last big payday in him. So, meeting those demands could be quite a, a big signing for Chelsea in the summer if they can make it happen.
0: Okay, we'll switch it back now to Manchester United. And you, you mentioned there, Sam, about Thomas Tuchel and how good of a coach he's been. And, you know, David, you kind of touched on this before that Ollie's made mistakes as a manager. Do you think Manchester United last night were? would have benefited from a coach like Thomas Tugel to see through that game? Because you watch teams like Liverpool and Bayern Munich in the past. I don't think they would have lost that game last night. I think they would have ground out that victory. Do you think that that's a a real flaw for Oli, that he he hasn't got that within him to to coach a game in situations like that, to get the three points?
1: Yeah. I mean, as I said, it has been a recurring theme under Svorska, this inability, you know, when the pressure's on in big games, to to see them out and to... Have a, a plan B, effectively, as well, because, you know, as soon as the red card happened, as I say, there was so much muddled thinking, you know, between Solskjaer, and Michael Carrick, Kieran McKenna. I mean, we were fortunate at the, at the stadium last night uh, here in Bern. We were very close, where the press boxes were very close to the technical area. So we had a kind of a real first-hand view of what was going on and how they reacted to the to the sending off. And at halftime, there were Solskjaer, Carrick and McKenna were kind of deep in, deep in a discussion as the halftime whistle went. And they called Varane over straight away and Carrick had a word. And so he was warming up. So but having addressed the initial issue of Juan Basaka's you know, sending off by, as, as I said earlier, bringing on Dallo uh, and, and sacrificing Sancho, they, they then felt compelled to change it again. I, I didn't feel they needed to do that. And I just felt that by the end, you know, the players there didn't know, didn't really know their roles, didn't know what they were meant to be doing. And they were just pegged back. And if you look at the stats, I think it was 19 or 20 shots that the young boys had compared to two for United. Uh, and the, and the last of those two shots was Ronaldo's in the 25th minute. So, you know, for for a club of Manchester United's stature and with all the attacking options that that Solskjaer has at his disposal, um, that, that that is a really poor return. But I think going back to your question, Conor, about you know, would a, a coach of Tuchel's, uh, Caliber, prop Guardiola, have seen that game out? Yes, I think so. Um, and that's the difference between those four clubs. You know, the the the, the big four as they are now in England. You know, City, Chelsea and Liverpool have proven winners as managers. You know, guys who've won the Champions League, won the Premier League, uh, multiple titles. Uh, and that's where United are falling short at the moment. Um, and it goes back to the earlier point about no hiding place. You know, Manchester United arguably have one of the best squads now in the Premier League. OK, they could, they could do with a holding midfielder. They could probably do with another right back. Um, because I don't think Saka, as we touched on earlier, really. Defensively, he's, he's solid, but I just don't feel he offers enough going forward. And, of course, he's he's prone to those kind of rash um, incidents that we, that we saw last night. But if, on paper, you would say they have one of the strongest squads. So it all points to the manager. Um, and I just feel, and I think a lot of United fans feel, um, that when the pressure's on in the big moments, Solskjaer, you know, his, his thinking is found wanting. And And that was, again, evident last night.
0: Do you think, I mean, I watched his post-match interview last night and it came across to me that he, he, he presents himself as quite a sore loser at times when things don't go his way. And The two refereeing decisions last night were, were the talking points, the red card. I think the referee got that one correct. And then yeah. Ronaldo got sort of half pushed over for a, a penalty shout and Solskjaer thought that was a penalty. And again, I thought the referee got that one right. Did you agree with my assessment that them decisions were correct? And do you think that also... Solskjaer sometimes presents himself as a little bit of a, a sole loser when things don't go his way.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you know it, it, emotions are running high, aren't they, after a game like that? You know, we, there's a lot of debate about this. You know, players and managers, not just in football but in sport in general, coming in immediately after a match to a press conference. You know, they're 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 still trying to process what's happened. So, I mean, look, he's a competitor, so I think he's gonna he's gonna be you know annoyed at, uh, at the way and in particular the manner of losing the game you know 95th minute you know winner scored against you that, that, that's going to hurt but you're right I think you got the, the red card right with wan and also again we, we had a perfect view of the Ronaldo uh, incident and that wasn't a red card it wasn't a penalty or a red card which Solskjaer claimed it was you know Ronaldo's pace took him away from the uh, the, the, the defender um, but he didn't have complete control of the ball and you know Ronaldo is such an experienced competitor he went to ground, you know, he felt slight contact and and you know it, it was he was going to ground already. I don't think he could even get the shot away. So his in his mindset, I think he felt that the next best thing was to go to the ground and see if he could get a penalty, but it wasn't. And the referee was in a great position for that one as well and and wasn't gonna be swayed by it. I think it was interesting as well, uh, Connor, you talk about Solskjaer being a sore loser. He was a little bit girlish when he was when he was talking about the referee saying, you know, I don't think the referee was going to give that penalty um you know because because of the, the pressure on the home crowd and he said but that's what you get sometimes with young refs you know i mean I, I thought the ref had a decent game last night he's only 32 but i don't think his age has anything to do with it you know i just think he made, he made the right calls at the right time
0: uh and i don't think so, so can have any complaints about that at all if i'm honest do you think that that's learning from the best alex Ferguson used to be quite like that as well didn't he He used to, yeah, to of fight the referees on them things
1: yeah yeah and and, and often you know you you know, you, you do feel, I mean, I've, I've covered, you know, the sort of second half of, of Ferguson's reign and you, you know, United, and you do feel that in many respects, Solskjaer's like a mini me, Ferguson. You know, obviously, he learned from him and, of course, he's his mentor. So he, he will take a lot of traits from him, a lot of, you know, management traits. Um, but there are times when you do feel that he's that he's sort of, you know, aping Ferguson in terms of you know, the way he reacts to to, to certain things. Um, but yeah, I just think it was one of those nights. Look, United, you know, they were found kind of wanting. They've got five more group games. It isn't the most demanding of groups. If they don't get out of this group, um, then you know Solskjaer is going to be under huge, huge pressure because um, you know they should have got through the group stage last last um, last season. They beat PSG away in the first game. Um, I think then they beat Leipzig five 0 in the second game. and Then of course they imploded. Um, you know they started off you know the opposite way this time with the defeat. But but really, there's enough quality in that United squad to get through this group. But they've got a tough a tough October coming up. I mean. You know, it's pretty unrelenting the schedule. I think they've got Everton, Leicester, Atalanta, Liverpool, and Spurs, I think, um, in October. And then City and the Manchester Derby on November the 6th. So the next kind of four or five weeks, you know, we, 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 get, we get, you know, told that we're, we're overreacting the media. But I mean, this, this could be a kind of already defining period in the season because, you know, they've already lost the opening group game. They've got a really tough run coming up and they can't afford too many more, you know, off nights like last night.
0: Sam, we'll, we'll switch back to, to Chelsea now. Um, of everything that Chelsea have done over the last year in terms of transfer business, even the summer included, do you think Thomas Tuchel has been the best bit of business the club have done?
2: Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, there was a lot of um, uproar, I think, when, when in some sections of the fan base when Frank Lampard was sacked. Um, there was a, a, a banner was put up outside, um, outside the ground affecting that um, at Stamford Bridge in the, in the immediate aftermath. Frank Lampard was sacking. But you cannot argue with the results that Thomas Tuchel's had since he came in. Um, he, he, his, his primary task was to get Chelsea into the top four. He did that, admittedly, with a little bit of help from Spurs on the final day of last season against, um, when they beat Leicester City. Uh, but Tuchel got them into that position. And he won the Champions League. I mean, what more? Uh, what else is there to say. Um, he, I think that was he, they were. It was certainly a surprise to many onlookers. But um, he still got managed to get the job done. Obviously, Lampard took Chelsea out of the group stage. But Tuchel navigated the Blues through a very difficult knockout group. obviously, they saw off uh, Atletico Madrid, Porto, um, Real Madrid, and then Man City in the final. So yeah, it was. It, it, it's been a hell of a, 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 a what nine months that he's been there now, um, and he. He's that elite level coach. He obviously had a, maybe had a point to prove of having lost the Champions League final with PSG the season before um, in in, uh, in Portugal. So he wanted to maybe write that wrong, and he's managed to do that now. He's a Champions League winning coach. Uh, he's got this team incredibly well drilled. So as I said earlier, 23 clean sheets in in 36 games in all competitions is a remarkable defensive record that he's that he's got there. Uh, he turned Edouard Mendy into one of the best goalkeepers on the planet at the moment. Um, I, don't, I don't, I don't think that's hyperbole either. I think he's been exceptional since he came in. Uh, he hasn't, he ha- and he hasn't done. He, he hadn't, sorry, hadn't done much to the squad as well. As obviously it was the squad that he inherited from Frank Lampard. Now he has made his additions. Obviously, the signing of Romelu Lukaku was massive because everyone knows Chelsea were just lacking that clinical striker last season they really would have pushed them over the top, even though they did win the Champions League. But now that they've got Lukaku in, they had to pay big money for him, obviously smashed the club transfer record. But um, he's scored, was it seven goals in six games for club and country already this season, four and four since he came come back for Chelsea. Uh, he scored one with his um, right foot, one with his left foot, one with his head last night as well. So he's, he's scoring goals everywhere. Uh, and he's just brought a different dynamic to 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 Chelsea's attack. So while you, while you can say that Lukaku's obviously as in terms of the player has been the most important signing, I think Chelsea getting in that elite coach who happened to be available at the time, obviously where he'd left PSG, that was obviously massive. Um, but bringing in that world class coach into the Premier League, in, in a league of world class coaches, I think you, you, Chelsea had to respond in the manner that they did um, to give him at least that half a season to. Well, so I suppose everyone expected him just to settle in not to go and win the Champions League, uh, but he managed to go and do it. So, yeah, he's been he's been a breath of fresh air. He's he's very much favour of the month with the, with, the, with the fans at the moment. He's engaging. Um, he's very intelligent. If you ever sit in, in his press conferences, he, he's a fantastic man to listen to. Very engaging, very tactical. So much tactical now. We saw it against Liverpool last weekend when he set up shop and they still managed to grind out a 1-1 draw with 10 men after Reese James got sent off um, against that attack of Jurgen Klopp. So it's um, it's been a real boost for Chelsea bringing him in. It's been a fantastic shrewd move um, from the club who pulled the trigger when they did on Lampard and, and, and took Tuchel in. Um, and he, and you have to remember, he came in during lockdown, um, but couldn't, and COVID couldn't really go and go and go explore London, couldn't have his family with him. He's obviously brought them all over to London now. Uh, so he's settling in a little bit more, was living at a hotel for the majority of the first um first few months of his, of his reign and, and all the all, all the COVID restrictions at, um, at Cobham at the training ground, which obviously every Premier League club has had to go through, but it couldn't have been easy for him. Uh, but he still managed to to do what he's done, and yeah, he, he's been he's been a breath of fresh air, I think, to the Premier League um, and to and Chelsea, and they're just reaping the benefits at really a lot at the moment. It's been it's been a very good very good move from the club to bring him in.
0: And David, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you two questions here, two pronged one. The first one is about Romelu Lukaku because obviously you will have seen him at Manchester United, mm. um, and are you surprised at the player that he's turned into? And the, and the second part of that question is, who do you think is going to have the bigger impact on their team this season, Lukaku or Ronaldo? That's a, that's a
1: tough one because <laughs> I, think, I think I think I'm not surprised um, with Lukaku because I, I I was actually a kind of. Admirer or the of Lukaku. I mean, I can't. I've got the stats now, but I mean, he certainly got over 20 goals in his first season. At United. I think he got maybe 15, 18 in the second. So, over over the course of two seasons, he did deliver for, for United. I know a lot of fans there bemoaned his first touch. You know, said he. You know, it was it was you know he wasn't quick enough and dynamic enough for the for the attack. Um, but I thought he did a good job, and his his work work rate was was exceptional. I felt. And then, of course, he took his career to another level, didn't he, um, uh, at Inter, and, and, and really, you know, flourished there. Uh, and as, as Sam has been sort of articulating there very well, you know, he, he brings that extra and a different dimension to Chelsea's attack. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a prolific goal scorer, proven goal scorer. Um, you know, his all round game has developed. Um, he, he's he's going to get 20-plus goals, probably 25-plus goals the season. What is it? I think Sam said 4-4 four and four already, so he's off to a great start. Um, in terms of who will score more goals, I think Lukaku will play more than Ronaldo. I think because obviously he will spearhead Chelsea's attack, and in the form he's in. You cannot drop him. You, you know he's he's so predatory and, and prolific, and does so much for the team. Uh, you know, not just in terms of goals, but his all-round play uh, and 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 hold the ball up well, and you know offers so much to the team that I don't think Tuchel can. And Sam will, will know this more than me. I don't think Tuchel can really afford to to rest him. There will be times, obviously, when he has to but I think he will play the majority of the games. So he'll certainly have more opportunities to score than Ronaldo. And Ronaldo at 36, um, you know, he's what, I don't know what age is now, is he 25, 6, 27? I, I can't, I'm not sure, but I mean, there's, there's certainly you know, a, a big age gap between him and Ronaldo. So Ronaldo, Fogel, will need to sort of manage and ration um, Ronaldo's appearances to get the best out of him. And he's already said that after the Newcastle game on Saturday. He said, you know, it's not possible to leave Ronaldo out I will have to manage his minutes and manage his game time. So I think I think Lukaku will probably score more goals than Ronaldo purely because you know he he will play more, and I think there'll be a bit more rotation at Manchester United because of Ronaldo's age. But yeah, I think Lukaku has developed into a world-class striker. You know, we, we we saw that you know his progression from Everton to United to Inter um, and and now Chelsea. It, it's been a you know one trajectory, uh, and I think you know he's he's become one of the most. You know, or is becoming one of the most prolific strikers in world football.
0: Sam, I'm going to ask you the same question. Who do you think will have a, a bigger impact this season, Lukaku or Ronaldo?
2: Um, I'm gonna. I don't want to sit on the fence too much, but I do think it will be Lukaku. And for the reasons that David so rightly said, I think that Chelsea without Lukaku in their side are a completely different team. If you if you're replacing him with, with Timo Werner, uh, for example, then then it's, he's a completely different player. So Lukaku. He, he, uh, when, Tuchel said, um, when Tuchel signed him, he said we brought him to play here. We he didn't bring him to sit on the bench and not play uh, after he scored on his debut against Arsenal. It took him, what, 13 minutes to get off the mark at the Emirates, wasn't it? Um, so he's going to play every game that he's fit for. He's going to start every game. Uh, and I think he uh, I'll be, be surprised if he doesn't score 25 goals this season because I think he, uh, he, and Chelsea, they created so many chances last season. They just had no one to finish them off. Now that they've got that one, that man in there, um, in Lukaku, Chelsea will still continue to create chances. Admittedly, they didn't do very much last night, but that was I think down more down to Zenit's defensive work rather than Chelsea's profligacy at times. But um, yeah, I think Lukaku is going to have a bigger impact than Ronaldo, not 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 vastly more, because I think Ronaldo is still an incredibly special player at 36, and we can see what he's already done at, um, at at United just since his just since his return. But as David said, yeah, Lukaku, he's only 28, so he's still got. He's still got that fitness he still got that He's not going to have to have his minutes managed as much although Tuchel will do that because he does like to make sure that his players are well rested he's very a big he's a big um advocate of not having players in what he calls a red zone in terms of injury so it's not that they're injured it's if they're at the risk of injury so he will give players rest he's been very careful with ngolo kante for example because he just knows how crucial he is to to the chelsea team but they've coped well in his absence um so far this season apart from a couple of games when he when he, i think he started against arsenal um also oh, he came off the bench against arsenal one started against liverpool but was forced off at, at half time there with an ankle problem so yeah I, I, ronaldo is obviously going to have a massive impact we know that um he, he was, but lukaku was that as i said earlier that missing piece that chelsea needed and they're still going to keep creating chances and he's going to be well, the one that's going to be putting them away because at the moment he looks like a player that's not really going to miss whenever he's in, in and around the in and around the goal and, and that's what you want and that's what you pay. 90 the best part of 98 million pounds for that's what that's what you pay for you pay for goals and uh yeah I think he's going to get yeah between 25 and 30 this season would be a, a shock if he doesn't reach that mark because Chelsea just create so many chances when they eventually find their find their stride which they haven't really done yet so far this season which I think is probably more ominous than um it, it's quite an ominous sign for, for for the title contenders
0: in in the Premier League that Chelsea haven't really hit top gear yet Okay, well, uh, other results last night in Manchester United's group. Villarreal drew 2 2 with Atalanta. Malmo and Juventus, 3 0 Juventus. Salzburg and Sevilla, it was four penalties in that game. Two missed by Salzburg, finished 1 1 there. Lille 0 0 with Wolfsburg. Dynamo Kiev 0 0 with Benfica, but this was the last one to really touch on here. Barcelona 0 by Munich 3. David, we've seen Barcelona over the years, it had been such a formidable side. But last night, that's a humbling defeat, and that kind of shows where they are now in the football hierarchy.
1: Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. I mean, but I don't think it's it's a it's a great shock, really. I mean, you know, we we all know about the financial problems they've got. You know, they're in absolute disarray. So much debt that's been allowed to pile up, which is just you know um, inconceivable how that's been allowed to happen. It's such a huge club, and of course, the the, you know it's the first first game or first European game in the in the post Lionel Messi um, era. Um, so that was always going to be a seismic um, moment for for Barcelona. I mean, you know, you, you know, what more can you say about Messi? You know, he's kind of not to carry that team, but he's been the driving force in that team and the inspiration in that team. And then suddenly have him, him, you know, out of the team. And I think with all the issues they've got and the players they've had to offload, and um, you know, the fact that they that they effectively have a uh, a team there that has no real direction and obviously with Cumin in charge, a manager who really, you know, his hand has been forced by the the financial restraints there. You know, he can't, you know, bring in, I guess, the players that he would like to bring in. And, and really they're, they're all about getting rid of players rather than bringing them in. Um, and it just goes to show the, the, the kind of changing of the guard in the sense, you know, I mean, I, I don't know the last time, I, mean, I, I didn't see the game because we were coming back from United's game. I think we saw a few of the highlights in the hotel here, but I, I, don't, I don't know the last time they suffered such a heavy, you know, um, Home defeat, um, but uh, yeah, it, it it all points to to Barca decline and 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 really you can't see that reversing anytime soon.
0: And, and Sam, Juventus three nil, obviously the post Ronaldo era for them, and they've struggled in Serie a this season, but that was them back to their normal selves, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, and no real surprise. I mean, Malmo, I think are, are quite clearly the weakest team in 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 the group. And Chelsea obviously travel to Juventus next week, oh, sorry, week after next, sorry, for for the, what would be a crucial game. They're out in. Out in Turin, so it was no real surprise to see Juventus stick stick three past three past Malmo. So that's why I think it was it. That's why it was so important for, for Chelsea to make sure they got that win last night as well, because I think probably everyone expected Juventus to to sweep aside Malmo quite comfortably. Um, and it was always going to be between I think Chelsea and, and Juventus for this, who's going to finish them first in the group? and Who's going to finish second? Famous last words, there probably, but we'll see what happens. But yeah, on 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 Barcelona, um, it, it just didn't really come as a surprise, did it? that the that, that, that buy-on were just far too good for them in the end i think they played Jordi alba who was um who was effectively injured and then uh of course they had limited options and i think they played it in midfield as well they had limited options and alba had to play suffered another injury and was forced off um, in the second half and that kind of just sums up the the, the, the demise of Barca at the moment which is um yeah, it, 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 but they say it was. It, it, at least it wasn't eight two like it was in the, in the semi final a couple of years ago. But yeah, that was they say it was no real surprise really that Bayern swept aside. Bayern's in a very strong team anyway, so I mean, you, you, you kind of almost expected them to to pick up a handsome win. Let's be honest at the, the at the Nou Camp. So yeah, that's. But that is definitely the standout result was just how comfortable I think it was in the end for for Bayern. Robert Lewandowski scoring go, in scoring goals shock again.
0: Yeah, I think that was something like he scored in every single game for seven months. I think that's all the stat yesterday. Um, So we're just about out of time here. So, David, thanks for joining us. Sam, of course, thanks for joining us as well. Hopefully you have a safe trip back, David. <laughs> no, it probably wasn't worthwhile seeing United get beat last night. Um, And please, you know, subscribe to this podcast. It's on all your favourite podcasting apps, Acast and iTunes and Apple and wherever else. There's hundreds and hundreds of platforms to listen. Um, so thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, guys, for joining us.